Tuesday, February 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross. Good to see you guys. It is hey, Tuesday. It is Tuesday, all day. We're going to talk retail, we're going to talk video, we're going to talk mobile payment. Let's start with retail. Uh, shares of Michael Kors up more than 11% this morning after third quarter profits came in much higher than expected. The company also raised guidance. Uh, Andy, that's certainly, if you're a shareholder, that's the kind of thing that you like to see. It really seems like a blowout quarter for Well, them. it's been a blowout year for Michael Kors. I mean, since coming public in 2011, the stock's done nothing, it seems like, but go up. A yeah. lot of momentum behind both the brand, Michael Kors, and also the earnings power. I mean, we're going to see revisions from the analysts coming out. We've already seen them. I mean, this is just a story that really has been playing very nicely in the market, but also, most importantly, on the on the consumer side for the in the marketplace. Like, they've just done some really great stuff in growing their comp stores, growing their total revenue and growing the earnings power. Gross margins were up this quarter. So, I mean, this is really a story that, that's, uh, that's on fire. Uh, Jason, one of the things that John Idle, the CEO, said in conjunction with the earnings was, and this is the quote that jumped out at me, he said, we expect the global luxury market to maintain a healthy pace of growth. I mean, that's it's obviously, to Andy's point, it's obvious that Michael Kors is crushing it. But when I hear a quote like that, that makes me think, well, now, wait a minute. Is is Coach now in even better position? Like, is, is Are all luxury brands going to benefit from what this guy is seeing? Well, I think it's probably the difference between affordable luxury and luxury. So it's Coach and Coors, I would put in one uh, group. And then you're looking at things like Tiffany, for example. That's luxury. Right. Uh, so I think Coach has done really well for the longest time because of its affordable luxury uh, sort of, of brand. And, and Michael Coors is really jumping in that space and taking advantage of this. And retail is, is very much this kind of game where uh, you know fashion is somewhat fickle. And that that's not really one of the competitive advantages. But when you look at something like a brand, for example, there is a bit more of a competitive advantage there. And so I think with something like a coach and a Michael Kors, they have the chance to really develop and nurture that brand through time to really be able to to play a part of that affordable luxury what about the market what is the brand power because i'll be honest andy yeah. i 6 months ago i'd never even heard of this company and i'm and that's not really saying anything because i'm not uh, on the cutting edge of yeah. anything to do with retail or really? fashion yeah i know it's hard to believe when you Come see on. the way i'm dressed um but uh, like is this is this a company that you look at and you say oh yeah they really do have a strong brand in the way that Coach has a strong brand. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Chris. So they will call their brand Jet Set Luxury, which is different than the way core, uh, Coach positions them themselves. So while I agree with Jason, they do fit kind of in that same bucket and certainly below, much more in the affordable luxury line. Um, and in the handbag market, I mean, 80% of Michael Kors' business is in accessories. And they've been around since 1981. I mean, Michael Kors is a designer who found this company in the 1980s, has grown it up, and they just recently became public. But they really have some momentum behind them on the retail side and also at the wholesale side. So they have a they have a growing, important brand in the fashion business. It's taking on much more relevancy with their consumers. They're going after different markets with different merchandising lines. Coach, on the other hand, I think as we've talked about before on the show, Coach has struggled here a little bit recently with some of their merchandising strategies. I have confidence in Lou Frankfurt, who, run, who has run Coach for so many years, to get that right. They have a, they have a really global brand. They revolutionized this uh, affordable luxury market when they basically created the handbag market um, 
from the likes of LVMH and Prada, which had these huge handbags that small petite women basically (laughs) were just falling over trying to carry (laughs) these things. And Coach basically revolutionized that. They're doing some exciting things in the men's market. They have lots of opportunity over in China and Asia. So Japan is still 20% of their sales, and they're actually doing fairly well there. So I think think Coach has some runways. It's a multi – it's a $300 billion market, this luxury line, and 20 to 30% of that is probably in accessories where both these guys play. But it is a competitive space, and Coach is starting to see some challenges from Michael Kors, from Kate Spade, and that's affecting some of the um, some of the ability for them to drive their comp store growth. What do you think of Kors, the stock? Obviously, it's up today, and as, as you said, it, it went public in late 2011. It's, yep. been, it's been a public company for about 14 or 15 yep. months, and the stock really has... Yep. I mean, it's more than doubled in that time. Yeah. Um, is it is it too expensive? Well, or? it's an earnings momentum story right now. Um, like I said, more of a growth it, stock. It is definitely more of a growth stock. I think I think there are places for that in your portfolio. Um, we're fans of Coach uh, in Stock Advisor. We've had it. It's a it's a three time wreck for us and done fairly well. Um, uh, Coach really is. Here's the way I look at it. Michael Kors is really like the Kesha or Menage. Uh, Nicki Minaj right now of the kind of when you think about their brand just just on fire right now and I think of Coach much more in the kind of Beyonce Jay-Z where great brands but maybe they're not quite on the momentum scale that you know Nicki Minaj is who incidentally has a song about Michael Kors so like <laughs> wow. they're just those those growth stories you don't want to get in front of those I certainly would not be short a, sto- a story like Michael Kors um, it is a growth story and they're priced at 30 to 40 times earnings and they're growing like gangbusters so there's a lot of momentum there um, the challenge there is if you start to see some some pressures in their comp store growth or their gross margins you're going to see that stock take a pretty big tumble pretty fast. Um, but so far, they have not disappointed, so um, I wouldn't bet against it. As the father of a teenage daughter, I actually got all those musical references, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yesterday on Investor Beat, we talked about uh, the Stars Sony Pictures deal, uh, Amazon and CBS. Uh, today, yet another video deal. Netflix is teaming up with DreamWorks Animation to create a children's TV series based on the upcoming film Turbo, which I think comes out late spring, maybe early summer, Jason. Uh, you know, DreamWorks uh, Animation up a little bit on this news. Um, it seems like this is now the game for Netflix, for for any of these video companies. The name of the game is if you're not going to create your own content, and Netflix is doing some of that, um, but you got to go out and buy it. Yeah, and I mean, I think you hit something, hit, hit on something there with with uh, DreamWorks stock being a little bit up today. I mean, this is, to my mind, this is a much bigger win for DreamWorks than it is for Netflix. Uh, DreamWorks has, for the longest time, had I think a pretty tough go of it with just yeah, they don't produce the the best movies in the world. I guess they kind of play that perpetual second fiddle to to Disney to Pixar. And so with the uh, with that studio model, revenues are lumpy, and, and you're not always going to put out hits. So definitely a bigger win for DreamWorks than Netflix. And, and it's interesting because. You know, we're seeing more deals. It seems like every day there's a new headline. There's just a, there's another headline out there for Comcast and Fox striking up a deal, and it's going to play onto that uh, Comcast Xfinity platform and their uh, and the TV everywhere, which is is incidentally one of the big threats to uh, the content distributors like Netflix. But I mean, what we're seeing, and I think this this is certainly at least. This has to be on on the on management's mind there at Netflix is that the competition here is is really heating up because I mean beyond just producing 
original content. I mean, they are having to buy more content just to show on on their uh, you know through their catalog, and and so the, the question I have here with the, with the with the children's content really is I don't know that it's really compelling enough to bring in new subscribers. I mean, the the content like House of Cards, for example, I could see being compelling enough to bring in new subscribers. But but with kids' content, I think it's a little bit different. I'm not sure that people would actually just go subscribe to Netflix for one particular animated series. But it definitely adds to that arsenal. Uh, of course, the big question is how much are they paying for it? And you figure that a uh, typical DreamWorks movie is going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to $200 million to make. Right. Uh, so from there, you have to figure that Netflix is, again, paying a pretty penny to get this deal. But you know, if it ends up in <clears throat> if it ends up in subscriber growth, then maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah, Andy. Yesterday we were doing a little sort of back of the envelope math, and the recent Netflix Disney deal. I think people were looking at that somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred fifty million dollars a year that Netflix would be paying Disney. The Stars Sony Pictures deal looked like it was more than that. Maybe Sony was going to be getting somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred million a year. So if the cost of content is going up, and I don't, I. I can't think of anyone who thinks it's going down. Yeah. Uh, doesn't that automatically favor the companies that have the deepest pockets? And say what you will about Netflix, and certainly the stock has been on fire over the last six months or so, but nobody thinks yeah. that Netflix, nobody, including Reed Hastings, thinks that Netflix has the deepest pockets. Well, and they don't. I mean, Amazon certainly has a huge balance sheet and, and a lot of money to spend. And then you have all the big boys. I mean, like Jason said, they're, they're, this is a web. I mean, and we are all like just, you know, intertwined in how we are interacting with the media and where we're getting media and how we, uh, the media we're getting and the entertainment we're getting. You know, the beauty with Netflix is that it was, um, it was beaten down. It had lost respect. Um, both from the consumer side, I think, as well as from certainly from the investing side. Absolutely. And then it had this resurgence when they started to get some momentum behind them, and then they had this great quarter, and then the stock has been up, like you said, you know, 80% or so. So um, this is just more evidence that they have the wherewithal to go out there and the, and the desire to go out there and compete and provide content, both that they will produce themselves, like House of Cards with Kevin Spacey, that's gotten great reviews, yeah. um, although I've not seen it, and um, and then content with whether it's, it's, it's Pixar or whether it's DreamWorks. You know, I am not a Netflix subscriber, and over the past two months, this um, the deals they've struck have encouraged me, you know, maybe I need to get on the board with this yeah. and start to say they're going to have content out there that's going to be exclusive to them. And at $8 or whatever price they end up charging me over the next year, and maybe they'll raise prices to help cover some of this cost um, carefully, uh, I have to be there because that's where the content is and the cost is reasonable and I can only get it there. And that's the kind of deals it looks like they're striking. And if it does lead to subscriber growth, they can leverage that in lots of different ways for shareholders. Well, I think the key word that Andy mentioned there was exclusive. And ultimately, that's where this is going. So I can give you at least one school of thought out there. Uh, in, in over the longer term content costs coming down. And the basic idea is that as they produce more of their own original content and it makes them less reliant on other content providers, well, then no one's out there really bidding up that other content. Gotcha. And they can get that content for a little bit of a lower price and sort of you know backfill that catalog with other stuff that people may want to watch. Now, whether that actually plays out or not, I'm not really sure. But you see the exclusive content side of things with Netflix for sure. Amazon's doing the same thing. They just had that Downton Abbey deal. And there's a show Falling Skies where they've also gotten exclusive content there. Uh, and so really, it just boils down to the fact you – know, we mentioned this yesterday with Tim uh, on Investor Beat, where it's, it's really interesting how – 
none of the content providers are really doing a great job of developing their own platform. Right. As a little market research last night, I went through and I, I found the Watch Disney TV app yeah. for my iPad, where you can you can literally go in there and just log in, and you can basically watch the Disney Channel on your on your iPad or whatever tablet you have that's compatible. But again, you have to be signed up to a cable provider to do that. And and I think that you know for the time being at least because of the sports sort of tether there, I think that cutting the cord is is not quite so realistic in in you know, the next 10 to 15 years, but but maybe down the road, it becomes a little bit more realistic. You know, two quick points to that is that the relationship I have with, like, say, ESPN, ESPN FC, the football, the soccer channel that I watch a lot, and like Jason said, you have to be connected to your cable company. Right. That is one-to-one. I am interacting directly with ESPN, and I'm watching there with Netflix. They have these 30, you know, well... 30 plus million members around the world that there offers this network effect that I just don't feel like I have with my cable companies or with, you know, HBO or with or with uh, ESPN. So I feel like maybe ESPN you can get a little bit more. So there's these network effects with of rating systems that is very powerful. Second of all, money's never been cheaper. And if Netflix is going to borrow money to go out there and buy an asset like these movies and you use to leverage that and structure these deals that can run multi years, do it now. I mean, if you have to borrow for it and you can make a return on that, like you're just not going to get borrowing costs like this probably again. So you might as well go out and get it. I'm glad you guys brought up sports, um, and I'll credit our colleague Tim Hansen because he's the first person I ever heard suggest this idea. Why do you think that none of these companies, Netflix, whoever, com- you know, why do you think none of them have gone after a big time sports content deal? Because sports, it seems to me, is one of the few things remaining. <laughs> in the entertainment world that you kind of need to watch live. I suppose you could make the same argument for award shows. But if all of a sudden the NCAA basketball tournament, which is coming up in a few weeks, if all of a sudden the only place you could watch that was on Netflix or on iTunes or something like that, granted it would be a sort of a, a massive amount of money to get that. But that seems to me like that would be the next groundbreaking deal. Yeah, I mean, two things. I think number one, you struck there. It's it's you have to have extremely deep pockets to do that. But but secondly, I don't really think that's Netflix's uh, target customer base. I mean, truthfully, you know, they, and, and I mean, Reed Hastings has been very upfront with saying that look, we're not trying to be the only game in town. We are trying to be one of many options you can have out there. We're a an affordable way for you to watch what you want when you want to watch it. And so, you know, a sports offering really wouldn't be targeting their their demographic, so to speak. So I think they they might consider that a little bit outside of their uh, scope of of, uh, of understanding, and certainly you know the deep pockets. You know, to Andy's credit, yes, money has never been cheaper, and I think I think they did a great job of, of you know getting that debt. But uh, yeah, the sports I think would just be a little bit more, and they'd be biting off a little bit more than they could chew. Well, and advertising drives sports, and that's that is not Netflix's you know or Amazon's core business, and so it would be it would be a tough return to make on that uh, big pocket investment. And then I mean, yeah, sure, we all like watching you know I like watching Fab Five you know reruns and you know all that <laughs> kind of stuff, but. Sports tends to be a once-and-done event yeah. where Netflix, yeah. they have those movies that they can use for three years. Although I will say the NFL uh, NFL Network has done a great yeah. job with yeah, their, right. you know, the game the next day where you yeah. can watch it in like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I really like yeah, that. Yeah. So there, I think there will be more of those, and that's why you mm. see so many more channels proliferated around your, your cable system that are focused on different kinds of sports and how you can access those sports. I just don't think that's Netflix's core. Since you brought up your alma mater, the University of Michigan, how are you feeling in I'm advance not, of the NCAA bad. tournament? I'm bad. <laughs> I mean, like the momentum. Talk about momentum stories right here. Like they can't beat a top team. 
Not even inside the old Big Ten? You're betting against your own school? I'm not oh, betting. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm not shorting Michigan. I'm just like, you know, hey, listen, as, as David Gardner and I were talking, David's a huge uh, Hoops fan. Um, in, in Every year there's always one of, and it seems like this year, there's one of 20 teams that can take the yeah, title. And it's, it's wide it's open. It's a crap shoot, you know, so. Um, Twitter and American Express have announced a partnership um, which would enable Amex cardholders to buy things on Twitter, simply by using a, a hashtag, simply by t- typing out a hashtag. Uh, we were talking about this before we started taping. Uh, Jason, you've actually dabbled in this a little bit. Um, I've dabbled. Um, because you're an Amex cardholder. Mm-hmm. You've connected. I guess what you need to do is connect your American Express card account to your Twitter, Twitter handle. And then once you... Go onto Twitter. You're you're like getting deals. Yeah, it was a really it was a seamless process. I mean, I, I saw where they were pushing this out uh, a number of months back, where you sync your your American Express card with your Twitter account, and then the deal was if you see a tweet come through from American Express promoting an offer, all you have to do is retweet that, and then your card, because it's synced with your account, automatically makes you eligible. And so what we uh, the the tweet that I saw was a uh, I think it was twenty twenty dollars off of a of a dinner at Tony Roma's Macaroni Grill or whatever it was. So you know, in the, in the interest of market research, I decided to try it. And hunger <laughs> and uh, and so I, I retweeted it, and then we went to Tony Roma's one night for for dinner, and and it was just dinner as usual. And I paid you, you have to pay for for what you get with that particular American Express card. Uh, and so you know, I paid for dinner, and we left, and all was fine. And then I checked my American Express account balance the next day that the statement online and it, and it clearly showed the dinner that i paid for and then american express had deducted the twenty dollars so i never had to present a coupon i never had to let the people at, at you know the restaurant know that this was a deal uh but it did work and i was very automatic. impressed with that yeah it was an automatic and it, it was really easy so uh so chalk it up for a big win there that's just beauty for for like people <laughs> who the, who are like hate handing over coupons as i do and yeah. always feel a little bit strange doing it at nicer restaurants i've never been a couponer ever i mean i, I like don't cut them Ch- out i don't take them i, just, I don't like them but yeah you go to charlie palmer's or some nice steak restaurant and you have like a yeah. coupon offer 20 percent pulling <laughs> that thing out you know here's ruth's I chris always get a little <laughs> um Andy, we were talking before about the uh, the member events last week, yeah. uh, and Tom Gardner, our CEO, in one of the talks that he gave, yeah. um, sort of hit upon this this notion of convenience yeah. and s- businesses that succeed. Yeah, Tom said that if you are uh, one of the most important factors he looks at at a company that is consumer facing is convenience. You have to be constantly um, innovating and competing when it comes to being more and more convenience. And that convenience leads to relevancy. And they're, they're tied together. And I think both relevancy and convenience are very important. And if you're looking at a consumer company to invest in, you have to make sure you're convenient and relevant. And I think the beauty with this, as I said, and just knowing very little bit about it before we started, and I, I hopped online to check it and listened to the very convenient video that Amex and Twitter offered to show you how to do this. It's just one more evidence that of the beauty that is going on in American business today, being more convenient, more relevant, helping grow the business, helping improve margins, and actually helping connect people to make better decisions with their purchasing, um, you know, with the dollars they use for purchasing. So I think it's just a really um, very cool thing to see how it takes off. It's obviously, I mean, American Express, when it comes to membership, they do it as well as anybody out there. So they don't go into this without thinking deeply about it. And Twitter, obviously, with all the millions of people they have connected into their universe, too, it seems to me to be a very nice match. And this seems, to get back to Twitter for a second, this seems like a 
a small bet that they're making, a, a small test because it's a limited number of items. Yeah. But Jason, if this ends up being successful and it gets rolled out to other partnerships, presumably with Visa, with MasterCard, with banks, with whoever, then isn't this just one more nail in the Groupon coffin? I would have to believe so. And I mean, for the interest of market research, I'm going to have to try this deal as well to make sure I can actually. <laughs> I'm glad uh, we're just enabling here, you to but, just go, just you know. And I mean, someone spend when my, wildly. When my wife sees a new toy at the front door, I'm going to explain to her, you know, look, this was Honey, just market it's research. For I'm research. Just trying, right, exactly. This well, is making me smarter. But. Well, and one of their deals is for the Kindle. Yeah. So this is not like just like, you yeah. know, the Kindle Fire, a Sony Kindle Action Fire, so. Cam, an Xbox. An I mean, Xbox game. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, I think what they are doing is, again, to Andy's, to Andy's point there, they are playing on that convenience factor and if it's just one more way to get something. I mean, it's not like it's inconvenient to get something now. I mean, I can go to my Amazon app on my phone and two clicks and I'm done. Uh, but, you know, if, if Twitter's a platform that I frequent and I see a deal come through, I mean, it's certainly uh, something that they, you know, they're, they're learning how to monetize it through, through advertising. So, I mean, this, is a, this to me is, is yet again of why I think Facebook is so interesting. And as they think about monetizing the member base, they right. have all this kind of contextual ads, you know, whether it's through graph search or whatever it may be. But th- these companies that are connected to you, even Netflix, that you're, that you're connected to and have a relationship with through other people, companies that plug into that, the, a node into that network can have really kind of very cool results. But the other thing this story tells me is that the industry of mobile payment is now the wild, wild west. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, and a year ago, I would have said it was video and sort of the yep. battle for the living room like we've talked about. And now it seems like almost any company could come forward with some sort of, oh, we're now in the mobile payment business, and they could make a legitimate case for it. I got my uh, promotion, my, my email from eBay and from PayPal about their mobile payment you know, offering as well, too. So it's And they're big boys in this. Andy Cross, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.